0: Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and DC Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website, www.five dubs.com. Good morning. I'm Rebecca Snyder, your host of the Five Dubs podcast and the executive director of the Maryland Delaware DC Press Association. I am delighted to have today members of the Catholic Media Association, which is a collection of Catholic publications and news organizations throughout the country. Today, we're joined by Chris Gunty of Catholic Review, based in Baltimore, Joe Owens of The Dialogue, based in Delaware, and Mark Zimmerman of The Catholic Standard, based in Washington, DC. So we're here today to talk about the role of the Catholic news media in their communities. But let's start off first with asking each of you to tell us a little bit more about your organization and the people that you reach. And Chris, why don't we start with you?
1: Thanks, Rebecca. It's great for you to have us here, and we're uh, we're glad to celebrate with you the fact that the Catholic Media Association is actually meeting virtually this week, and so all across the country, actually including Canada. We have members in Canada, so the, it's the, the Catholic Media Association really kind of spans a, a big audience. Catholic Review Media is the publishing arm of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, which covers an awful lot of the state of Maryland. We don't cover the part that's on the Eastern Shore. That's Joe's department in from the Diocese of Wilmington. And we don't cover the, uh, the counties right around Washington, DC. That's Mark's area. So, uh, but we cover pretty much everything else from Haver to Grace to Oakland, from, you know, up, up north all the way down to, you know, Middle River and, and down past Annapolis. So we, we cover an awfully big area. We have about 80,000 readers in print, 80,000 homes that we deliver to in print once a month, um, our magazine. We also have a, a website at CatholicReview.org. We have, we're on, of course, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, as is everybody these days. We also have a weekly radio show uh, that airs on three radio stations in the region. So that's, uh, we're in a lot of different areas. And our, our goal really is to try to reach people kind of wherever they are. And so if they're signed up for our e-newsletter, they hear about what we've got going on twice a week. If they're visiting our website, we've got fresh content every day. If they aren't connected digitally, then they're getting the magazine at home once a month. It's our job, really, to make sure that people in the Archdiocese of Baltimore are well-informed about what the Church has to say, not just on Church things, but also on on things that are happening in the culture and in, uh, in society in general. So our motto at the Catholic Review is inform, teach, inspire, and engage. And that's kind of how we measure everything we do.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fascinating that you're not providing just a a very narrow perspective on what the church thinks, but also how you can kind of live as a Catholic in the world that surrounds you. So thank you for that, Chris. Joe, since you cover Wilmington and Delaware and part of the Eastern Shore and all of the Eastern Shore, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your organization?
2: Well, you got it right there, uh, Rebecca. It's the it's the whole state of Delaware, and it is the Eastern Shore of of Maryland. It is somewhere just above 50 parishes, several dozen Catholic schools. Uh, we have roughly 250,000 Catholics. Dialogue newspaper is distributed to just under 20,000 people in churches. We can talk more about that as we move forward. We are just uh, seeing the lifting of the dispensation, which I'm, I'm sure will be something we'll discuss. But our, our, our newspaper is distributed in churches, so it's important to us that um, people be back in churches. We also have a website, thedialogue.org, that has had a, a significant amount of growth in the last three years. We had a 12-month period last year where we had just shy of one million page views, which was a pretty big number. Considering where we started from, we we do have an e newsletter that goes out three three days three days a week. The Angeles has somewhere under ten thousand subscribers. The Office of Communications here does do a weekly radio show called Catholic Forum that is available via podcast and also on Relevant Radio, primarily in the Philly market, but also all of the diocese of Wilmington, which again is Delaware and uh, the Eastern Shore of Maryland. It's been a pretty busy time here. We just had the appointment of a new bishop. Our our bishop is seventy seven year old Bishop uh, Francis Maluli, and he has and the Pope has accepted his retirement. and We will have an installation of a new bishop here in the middle of July, July thirteenth. Bishop William E. Koenig will become the tenth bishop of the Diocese of Wilmington. So we're pretty busy and excited, and um, you know, looking forward to getting our message out.
0: Great. No, it sounds like there's a lot going on and, and you're adapting in in many different ways. It's it's one of the facts of life that there's declining church attendance, but it sounds like through radio and through online outlets, you're you're reaching people sort of wherever they are. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. And to finish us out, Mark, tell us what's going on in DC with this Catholic standard.
3: Yeah, thank you. I'm Mark Zimmerman, the editor of the Catholic Standard newspaper and website of the Archdiocese of Washington. Archdiocese is very diverse. It includes Washington DC and the five surrounding Maryland counties. Catholic churches along uh, city streets in Washington and suburban neighborhoods in Montgomery and Prince George's County and, in, and also in southern Maryland and in and along the rural countryside in the in the southern Maryland counties. We have Catholics who whose descendants land were among the first settlers who landed in, in Maryland in 1604, also descendants of enslaved people and Native Americans. We have, uh, we have newly arrived immigrants from every continent in the world, except Antarctica. We may, we may have some uh, Catholics from there. Well, if we, do, if we hear about it, we'll follow up. <laughs> the Kelly San was founded in 1951 and, uh, and and now we have a, a newspaper and a and a, a website, uh, and we also have a Spanish language newspaper, Al Pregonero, that serves the Spanish language community. You know, of the 655,000 Catholics in the Archdiocese of Washington, an estimated 270,000 are from Spanish-speaking countries uh, in in Central and Latin in Central and South America. So, our El Pregonero newspaper and website is a Spanish language community newspaper that serves that community. We're sister publications, but they are a, a, a different publication. Sometimes we share photos, and sometimes we share some content. They're a community newspaper, and we look upon ourselves as a community newspaper too, to reflect the, the challenges and the and just the life of our our Catholic community in the diocese of Washington. So that that's my gig and and I'd love to talk more about it.
0: Well, I want to find out from all of you how you became drawn to this work and why you stay in there. But before we get there, I wanted to follow up on something you said Mark about community and and recognizing that the Catholic community is changing. There's a lot it's it's an incredibly diverse community. There's a lot of Spanish speaking immigrants that are coming in. There's the catholic world is changing and how do you as catholic news media how do you adjust to those changes and what have you done recently or what's been successful for you to do that outreach and cover the really diverse community that that you find yourselves with
3: Well, you know, I've I've described the Catholic community as saying, like, they come from many different lands, they speak many different languages, but they share one faith. Here in the Archdiocese of Washington, Masses are celebrated in 29 different languages. So I'm an English speaker, but they are part of our community. So we do everything we can to cover stories that are are affecting those communities. For instance, uh, a couple weeks ago, it's a cover story of this week's Catholic Standard I did a story on quintuplet babies that were born to Nigerian immigrants and they were born at Holy Cross Hospital. And I got a tip on the phone that would you like to come? There's a baptism of quintuplets, Matthias and Lanham on the April 25th. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I called right back. You know, I try to be responsive to covering all of our communities with our small staff. But still, they're part, as I said, they're part of this family of faith. So we do everything we can to cover uh, you know their life here, but also issues affecting you know their their native countries around the world uh, with with information from the Catholic News Service. So I could talk more about that story about the babies. It's an interest interesting story, but you, you know we we try to be responsive to all of our communities because they're all part of the, our church. And mm-hmm. you know the, that story we we share that story. We need to connect with them and and. Uh, communicate that story as journalists, the press. Yeah.
0: Chris, Joe, do you have anything to add? The point about us
1: being community newspapers is really important. So just as a community newspaper in, say, Annapolis might serve its community or in Sykesville or whatever, that they serve their community because of that. And as Mark said, we're a very diverse community, but they share the Catholic faith. And so that's our that's our community. It's spread out a little bit more than some of these other community publications are, but we are just as much trying to reach a specific community. And I think that's our strength, is that we can be intensely local about that. Mark's point about, about the diversity is a good one, and it's difficult for us sometimes to report on those kinds of things. I'm also an English speaker. I. Can read Spanish a little bit and occasionally proofread it, but I can't. I, I have a hard time speaking it and doing interviews. So we've had to get freelancers who can do interviews in English and Spanish. We're currently trying to rec- recruit uh, a full-time staff writer who could write and uh, report in English and Spanish. It's tough for us, though, because journalists of color, journalists who speak more than one language, are also in very high-demanded other newsrooms, and. They often pay more than we do. So it's been a tough thing for us to do, but we're hoping to do as Mark is doing, and we're hoping to launch eventually a Spanish publication to help reach that market. Uh, It's just, it's, it's where we need to be.
0: Sure. Well, and certainly kind of in that vein of, of always being relevant to the communities that you serve, Spanish speaking people are one of the fastest growing segments of the population in this general area. And so not only is it a smart move in terms of, of serving your community, but it's also where some of the future is going and and it's a good economic decision as well. Joe, do you have are you doing anything that you want to
2: share? Well, in I think I would just pick up on, on what you said and, and what the other two editors talked about. And I spent a fair number of years in in secular media. I always said that, you know, working at community newspapers that the best the best community newspaper is a, is an accurate reflection of its community. People can look at our paper every day in the daily business or every week or every other week and what we're doing and say they see themselves or you know they 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 believe it it accurately reflects their their communities that we're doing our job and i think you know the job is pretty much the same i mean yeah we we're, we're we're catholic and we have a a particular message and it's and it's important and that's that's really what we focus on but uh, at the end of the day it's it's more like a, being a, a true reflection of our communities and and meshing with
3: them and i, mm-hmm. I think we we all do that it's important
0: to us.
2: Absolutely.
3: Rebecca, could I add yes. one thing of But of I, I want to give an example of like, I think we all try to do this, be responsive to our community. We got a tip that there was going to be a vaccination clinic in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood. of of the Shrine of the Sacred Heart in Washington, D.C., which that that parish has about 80 different, it has parishioners from about 80 different countries, but most of its parishioners are from Central America, primarily El Salvador. And that community has been very hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. So the Shrine of the Sacred Heart hosted a vaccination clinic and the Catholic Standard and El Pregonero covered that. And it was a really inspiring story, how they were serving the community and I think the first day of that clinic, 400 people in that in that neighborhood came to that church basement to get a vaccination. And, and, and we covered that story just as we covered a follow up story at a, at a, a hard hit neighborhood in Washington, D.C., at St. Luke's. They had a, a vaccination clinic serving the African-American community there. So we try to, you know, to be there and tell the stories that are impacting those communities.
0: Well, and, and, you know, faith and trust are, are kind of always entwined and and in order to really serve one's community and, and cover them accurately, community members need to trust their news sources. And so could you each kind of talk about that intersection of faith and trust and how it informs your news gathering? I mean, through the Catholic lens, I think it's a really sort of you all have you're serving your communities, but it's kind of a different uh, reflection uh, than, I think, a secular community news news organization. Could you all speak to that?
1: Yeah, I would say right off the bat that the Catholic Press Association has fair publishing practices code, which a lot of people might not realize that. But much like the Society of Professional Journalists' ethics uh, guidelines, the Catholic Media Association actually has It's very well thought out, the Fair Publishing Practices Code. And two of the things at the beginning of that are that the truth is at the root of everything we do. And if we report the truth, that leads to the greater capital T truth that is God. So. We've got to be accurate. We've got to be good journalists to start with cuz if we don't tell the truth, if we don't tell the good and bad stories about the church, people aren't going to trust us. They're not going to find us accountable. They're not going to be they're not going to believe anything we write. So for us, we have to make sure that we are reporting the truth, that we're really good at what we do. That has especially become more important as you alluded to early on in our conversation about the fact that there are fewer and fewer reporters dedicated to religion beats in secular dailies and weeklies. And so without that, without those people reporting not just on the Catholic Church, but also on other Christian denominations, on our Jewish brothers and sisters, on our Muslim brothers and sisters, if they're not reporting about the way faith interacts with culture to everybody, it's even more important that our job that that message gets out, because otherwise there's nobody reporting the news accurately. I think it comes down to uh,
2: what we're talking about here is credibility, and and that's you know at the core of everything that we do and that it, that people do secular media also also transparency. And from from my perspective, it's never been a bigger issue in the church than it is now, and and it has been a uh, you know sort of a guidepost for for me and for I think a lot of people in the Catholic media is that the the, the church understands that transparency is important. My experience has been the church wants to hire professionals to to to, to do the job and, and let us do our jobs. And I mean, that's been my experience and, uh, you know, continues to be so. Thanks, Joe. Mark,
0: did you want to jump in? And-
3: yes, I, I did. I, I, I really appreciate what my colleagues said. You know, I, I think like them, I, I have a journalism uh, education. I, I'm a graduate of the University of Missouri School of Journalism. And that's my training. I'm not a theologian. Uh, I'm trained to. To be a, to tell the story accurately and fairly and honestly. When I when I became the and I'm not a, when I became the editor of the Catholic Standard in January 1995, the first story that I I put on our front page was about four priests who had admitted to abusing an altar server in the 1970s. It was a heartrending story because I when I got the phone call about that I had my baby son in my arms and I I thought about. How I would feel if that happened to my my child, and I I went to they announced it at a parish that Sunday and and I covered it and people were crying they were so upset to hear that that happened to their pastor, but we told the story honestly and and truthfully and and we've done that all the way through, recent scandal we had with former Cardinal McCarrick in Washington that was another heartrending story because I covered him and I I had great respect for what I saw him do but then when I when we learned of a part of his life that we weren't aware of. We cover that story honestly, and and I think that's our readers expect that, and they deserve that. Jesus said, "The truth shall set you free," and I think that's. Uh, I'm not saying that to evangelize people, but I'm saying that I, I think it says everything about our work, and uh, you know. So we'll, we'll do inspiring stories, but we we have to print the good news and the bad news. So. You know, we got this last year, we got the report on Cardinal Wilton Gregory becoming the first African-American cardinal in the history of the United States, our Archbishop. But uh, but in the same token, we'll also cover sad things happen when priests died of COVID. We covered those when their scandals happen. We cover those. And, And I try I use my training from the University of Missouri to tell, as as Chris and Joe said, to be truthful, to be transparent to do our job that's what i think we all try to do
0: but it, it sounds like respect for your communities that you serve is is so paramount and you can't respect and inform communities without that transparency and without presenting the full picture of what you're seeing and and hearing i wanted to get back to sort of what keeps you in the the catholic press world. Uh, so I think each of you has had some, some you know, experience in secular newspapers, journalism training. I know Chris has been um, very active in SPJ and in, in the region. What as journalists kind of keep you anchored in the Catholic news, uh, Catholic Media Association world, rather than, you know, going off to a local daily that might pay better or do different things? How do you... What keeps you coming back? Uh,
2: There may have been a time when there was a local daily that paid better, but I'm I'm not sure (laughs) if that's the case any longer. You would probably know better than, than we do. Rebecca, you know, I kind of perked up when Mark said, I'm not a theologian because uh, I spent most of my career in the, in the secular media, like just about 40 years and relatively new, relative newcomers to Catholic press compared to to these folks. But, uh, that that question came when I interviewed for this job, I told them, I said, I'm not a theologian. And the and the reaction was sort of like, we have enough of them around here. <laughs> you know, that's not all we're looking for. We're looking for a journalist. And that's really it. I mean, they they knew what they were getting when they hired me. I I was I was in journalism for a long, long time and raised and, and reared as a Catholic. I mean, uh, 16 years of Catholic education, I was a Catholic school parent. You know, I had a brother that was a member of the clergy and, you know, I felt very comfortable about that, but there was no getting around the fact that my training was, was in journalism. And, and again, I think a lot of it goes back to, to credibility. I mean, one of the things that was said to me shortly after I started was nobody's gonna tell you how to do your job. And, you know, obviously that kind of thing is music to my ears and that's really been the case. And like Mark says, it, it hasn't all been cheery. There's, there's, it's been a rough road, but I think as you um, you know face up to things and and again uh, work with transparency, you're going to succeed, and that's what we're that's what we're looking at now. Mm-hmm. I think.
1: Yeah. When I look at my background, I actually I'm not a theologian, but I. I spent seven years in the seminary, four years in high school and three years in college before I realized that wasn't my calling. And that. And then that summer after my junior year in college, I so I had minored in philosophy and theology. I had all that training, and I went and interned at the Chicago Catholic, the newspaper for the Archdiocese of Chicago, where I lived. And I realized that was my calling, that I could be a journalist and be a Catholic and be of service to the church. And yet over the years... I've covered everything that the secular media covered. Zoning issues? Sure, I've covered those because we had a convent that was that had to be moved because of a freeway that was coming through and they took their land as in eminent domain. So I covered zoning. I covered sports. I've covered major talks. We've covered, you know, the papal visit. The Pope came to, to Phoenix and I was a big part of that. I've covered all those kinds of stories from the lens of the Catholic faith. How what does this mean for our Catholic community? So I've actually I'm marking my fortieth year full time this month in in the Catholic press, and I love it and I and I think it's a great way to both serve the church and serve that. I think one of the best things we do as Catholic journalists who are good at what we do is we help our bishops, we help other leaders in the archdiocese understand why it's important that we do what we do. just as they hire, good accountants and good comptrollers to be their chief financial officers and their accounting people just as they hire good teachers and educators to run their schools offices they want to hire good journalists to run their their publications because they need our advice they need to know my bishop is not a journalist you know that's not his job you know but so my job and i've worked for 14 bishops in 10 different dioceses over the over the years part of my job is to be that person to inform them of This is the way we need to do this story. This is the best way for us to get this message across. Because like Joe and Mark, we know what works. And that's what they hired us for. They hired us for our expertise in that. Not to be theologians and not to write the next pastoral letter, but to be the people to do that. Now I'll also tell you, it really helps to have editors like us on board when they want to proofread the next pastoral (laughs) letter before it goes out, because they get our expertise that way too
0: so you're serving in a lot of different capacities for sure absolutely we all wear a lot of
1: hats (laughs) well
3: chris you're much more of a veteran than i am i i'm only been working in the catholic press for 36 and a half years (laughs) but uh you know since i joined the catholic standard in 1984 after being an intern with the catholic news service in washington that summer i tell people i've covered everything from catholic youth organization peewee girls soccer and the pouring rain where the water was all beaded on my glasses and I was running up and down the field trying to see which little girl scored the goal to covering the Pope in Rome, I coordinated two papal visits to Washington, the coverage of two papal visits to Washington, Pope Benedict in 2008 and, and Pope Francis in 2015. And I you know I got to cover St. John Paul II and uh, St. Mother Teresa. But to me, what's what's really kept me going is just, I, I tell people, I love this work. I, you know, as a journalist, there's such great stories out there. I told you about the diversity of our people, but also it's not the famous people. It's not even the popes that I, or that I enjoy the most or the presidency. We gotten to cover those kind of things. So those are exciting for a country boy from Missouri, but, but to me, it's those human interest stories, like the, the priest who had Alzheimer's disease and who had to make a Herculean effort to finished the Our Father, but who gave everything he had to serve his people, or the or the man who wanted to become a deacon, but he was illiterate, but but he learned how to read so he could become a deacon and proclaim the gospel. I went to his first mass, and what a, what a thing to, to cover. Olympic athletes like Katie Ledecky, who says that Hail Mary before she s- swims in the pool, and I got to cover her uh, competing at Stone Ridge School of the Sacred Heart and surging through the water. Amazing to to see her, but it's also... You know, we get to tell the another side to the story that the people's faith, like Katie's, uh, praying before she before she races, uh, and uh, and anyway, and Cardinal Gregory. You know, that morning when he was named the first African American cardinal, it was a surprise to him. It was a surprise to everyone except the Pope. And they announced it in Rome. And my wife said she saw it on Twitter that Cardinal Gregory was named a cardinal. And I was eating a donut and drinking chocolate milk in my at our kitchen table, and I dropped the donut and ran in and verified it. I wrote a quick story. I drove like a a bat out of hell, if I can say that, um, down to Southern Maryland, and I got to his mass where he was just about to preach his homily, and I interviewed him afterward, and I was emotional asking him the question what it meant to be the first African-American cardinal, and he was emotional. His voice uh, shook as he answered, too, because he knows— the story of faith, how people, how African-American Catholics kept the faith through times of slavery and segregation and racism. And, and he knows the heritage that he has in the African-American Catholic community and what it meant to them. So these stories, I, I'm working on a dozen right now, and because I, I have a small staff and I don't stay in my office, so I so I'll be running to cover two stories this afternoon. I I'm I love this gig. I've never been bored a single day. I've written thousands of stories, and I feel really blessed to do the job that I do uh, for the Catholic Standard.
0: Well, it sounds like you all get to cover like a, the full spectrum of community life and bring out different aspects of the subjects to what's really not being covered anywhere else. I mean, uh, the intersection of of faith and how people are motivated and inspired to do the work that they do out in the community. Um, But then also, it sounds like you get access in ways that, you know, some secular journalists could only dream of to be able to tell those stories. So it sounds like a really compelling intersection and I I understand better why why you stay with it. Um, and I
1: think the access comes from being there. You know, mm-hmm. that we're there all the time just like a, a somebody who's a beat reporter to cover Ravens or the Washington football team, they get to know the the coaches, they get to know the players, they get to, well, we get to know the coaches and the players, Except we call them pastors and parishioners, you know, so I mean, we get to know the people and and so we're there, we get access because we're, we're there all the time. Mm -hmm. And this is what we do.
0: Right. You're part of that community.
1: Just to add to that, we we,
2: these these fellows talked about sports and zoning issues and all the different kinds of things. There's also entertainment. Uh, We had a um, we had a woman who was a member of one of our parishes who was an actress and and had a role in the movie Unplanned. And that obviously had a had a strong message uh, associated with the message of the church. Uh, You know, we were writing about movie stars, you know, more or less. Closer to what Mark said too was, uh, we started a feature about a year and a half ago, we called it One of Us. And it's really just, it's a podcast, it's multimedia, it's online, it's in print. And it's really a way to get faces and voices of everyday people who just contribute to life in the church without fail. We do it every week, you know, every committed to it. And it's there are the people who are the backbone of the church. I mean, one thing to write about the hierarchy and people who make decisions, which is all important, but this is a way for us to keep everyday people front and center. And uh, it's really worked out well, been pretty successful.
0: That sounds fascinating. And in our show notes, you'll you'll send me the uh, URL to that, and I'll I'll put that in the show notes for everyone. And as we as we wind down, I just wanted to get your perspective on what's next for Catholic media. Joe was talking about the new podcast that he, that they put out, focusing on on everyday people, and the the coverage uh, that you all have been doing. But what do you feel like in the next? As we look forward in the next five years or so, what do you think? is next for Catholic media.
1: That's always a tough one because I think, you know, in our whole industry, none of us are sure what's going to happen. I think if you had, I think 10 years ago, if you'd asked people at the Washington Post and New York Times, will you still have a print publication five years from now, they they would have said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's happening. It's happening around our country with, with Catholic publications. The Catholic Sun, which I founded in Phoenix in 1985, folded last year, right on its 35th anniversary. Pittsburgh Catholic closed recently. The New Catholic Miscellany, which was the oldest continuous Catholic publication in the country, uh, just closed. So I think we're, we're all aware that there are concerns out there about that. What's next for us, I think, is to make sure that we meet the audience wherever they are. For most of our audience, that's at home. And To reach them at home, you mail them a newspaper. I mean that, or you mail them a magazine. That's that's the way you get it. Because if we get the magazine to their homes, they'll bring it in, they'll pick it up, they'll read it. Our surveys have shown that over the years. So I think part of that is doing that. But the other element is we've got to be wherever the conversations are happening. So if that's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever gets invented next week, then that's where we need to be, and we need to be there. You know, we're doing a radio show. You guys are doing podcasts. So there's that. I think we need to get into a Spanish-language publication for the Catholic Review, and we're working toward that if we can hire this, this staffer that we're looking for. And I think one of the other things we're probably going to do is to help our Hispanic Ministry Office develop either a Spanish-language podcast or a Spanish-language radio show, because we know that's a, an effective way to reach that audience. So, you know, we just need to be wherever everybody else is.
0: Mm -hmm. So it sounds like the same old for for secular journalists as well. You have to go where go where the news is, go where the people are and represent them and and report fairly and accurately. Mark or Joe, do you have anything you want to add? I'll jump
3: in.
2: I'll let let Mark back clean up. So because I I just want to make a quick add to what Chris said. I mean, it is true. It is everyone's question. What is next? It doesn't matter whether it's the uh, the review or Baltimore Sun. I mean, there there's (laughs) there are a lot of questions in our industry, but really, and I think we talked about this in advance of this session. The the question is who's going to tell our story if it's not us? I mean, the 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 overall landscape of the media has has slimmed down from what it was just ten years ago. I know there's absolutely a number of different metropolitan areas that always 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 had had resources dedicated to covering the church, not just the Catholic Church, but you know religion in general, and and uh, that's just not the case any longer. I mean, at a lot of lot of places. And uh, we have a story to tell, and we want to. We need to. We need to tell our story because if we don't, I'm not sure who else is. I mean, this this is the information age that we live in. So um, I think that's a big role for us, and I think all of us understand that.
0: Thank you, Mark. It's now, your turn to back clean up.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I think the coronavirus shutdown really brought home the fact how important digital media is and online media is. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd been raised in, as a newspaper person and tended to think newspapers first, but once the, once the, everything shut down, I really had to pivot like our teachers did in our Catholic schools, but I had to pivot to really updating that website every day and, and giving fresh content. And I, I think we, uh, as, as Chris and Joe said, I think we have to meet our readers where they are. We have a very special audience. We have, a, in a way, it's a special niche that, you know, 20 to 25% of, of people in the United States are, are Catholic. So we need to communicate the news. We need to, as they said, we need to tell those stories, how we tell those stories. We need to adapt. We need to adapt with, with, with online digital media. And, and I think there will still be a place for, for print because we are niche publications, but we need to meet the people as they said, meet the people where they are and tell these, as, as Joe just said, tell these stories because, uh, great stories out there the good news and the bad news you know from the christian perspective the good news is like capitalized but but we get to tell both both things and i think it's a you know it's so important that we continue this work and and however we however we communicate the news
1: and i think you're right there's a question i've been asking in my newsrooms for probably 10 or 12 years now has been Here's the story we want to tell when we're in our, our news budget meeting. Here's the story we want to tell. What's the best way to tell that? Is it story? Is it print? Is it online? Is it photos? Is it video? Is it audio? The story is the story. How do we put it out is the, is the big question. And that can't just be in print these days.
3: Right. And, and we can do new things, as the, as the guy said, with podcasts and social media. Last year, after the all the racial justice pro, uh, protests, after the the killing of George Floyd by that police officer in Minneapolis, we we started a series. It's a multimedia series, video interviews called Black Catholic Voices. We got these really in, incredible interviews with Black Catholics from all walks of life: Cardinal Gregory, priests, sister, lay people, laymen and women, and telling their stories, their experiences of racism. These are the kind of stories that we can tell in multimedia and and continue our work, whatever the media environment is.
0: You know, it sounds like in focusing on the work, you sort of, can find the format to best articulate what you're trying to say. So I want to thank you all for joining me here today. We had Mark Zimmerman from the Catholic Standard, Joe Owens from the Dialogue, and Chris Gunty from Catholic Review Media. Thank you all for coming out here, and um, I wish you the best in the Catholic Media Association Conference. Thanks for listening to Five Dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.